Really quickly, just wanted to let you know that the Inspiring Talk podcast is now available in video format on YouTube. If you'd like to watch this conversation, you can head on to our YouTube channel, Bizay Gautam. While you are at it, show us some love and subscribe to the channel so that you won't miss the upcoming episodes. I'll put the link in the description of this episode. You can't be slightly pregnant with a startup. A lot of people say I'm doing my job and then I have the startup and when it becomes big, I'll leave my job. No, 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 that's not happening. Because your startup will never become big until you leave your job and give it full time. You either would be in or out. Startups look really glamorous from the outside. Unicorns, funding rounds, exits, all of these things. But it's a grind. It's a roller coaster. And the amount of failure that you will face, nobody's ready for or I wasn't ready for. And we are impatient in general as, as people and as generation but also we over philosophize things right the one question a lot of founders ask me now that I'm on the investor side or on the mentor side what's the best way to start my answer to that question always is the best way to start is to start start yeah just start yeah right? make your mistakes and learn yeah. instead of philosophizing for three months make mm. three months of mistakes mm. but let's say you're climbing a mountain in the Himalayas and you start climbing and there's a landslide somewhere or the weather is not good somewhere else, right? You want to get to the peak, but you may go back down, switch the route, change the path. You want to get to the same goal. But changing the path to get to the same objective or being flexed with that, that's very important. From Wine Studio, you are listening to The Inspiring Talk, a show where I bring the conversations with today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you take your life, business and career to the next level. I'm Vijay Gautam and in this episode, you will listen to my conversation with Arjun Vaidya. Arjun comes from a family of Ayurvedic doctors. He is the founder of Dr. Vaidyas, a company that brings Ayurvedic products to modern consumers. Dr. Vaidyas is valued at over 100 crores. He is the first Ayurvedic entrepreneur to make it to the Forbes 30 under 30 Asia list and Business World 40 under 40 list. In this episode, Arjun talks about his grandfather's influence on him as a child and how that shaped him to be disciplined and consistent. Three very powerful lessons he learned by building 100 crore company. He talks about challenging times while he was building the brand and lessons learned. And also why he thinks you cannot be half pregnant with your startup. This episode is full of insights and nuggets if you are looking at building your business. Let's dive in. Welcome to the show, Azun. Thank you so much, Vijay. I'm very excited for this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I'll start from one of these posts that you have made on LinkedIn, okay? As a founder and in life, I've always focused on next 100 days, not next 5 years or 10 years. Yeah, so look, I think uh, if you ask me uh, about where I see myself even today, 5 years later, I don't know. And if you ask me 5 years ago, would I see myself here, five years later, the answer is, I don't know, right? I, I won't have known. Specifically for the startup journey, right? While all of us know our vision, our mission, where we want to get in the long term, tangibly, for me, I have seen success in setting up smaller three-month goals right? or 100-day goals because there you can actually see the effect of what you're doing, the results of what you're doing. And then if you think about five years as 18 or 17 100 day journeys that's so much more rewarding 
then saying okay i let, let's say let's take doctor with this example i started with zero orders a day on my website my target would have been to get to 5000 orders a day which we eventually got to at zero orders a day if i started thinking of 5000 orders a day i mean that's so far away that is demotivating right and if you start thinking of the 5000 when you're at zero what about the journey from 0 to 10 10 to 20 10 20 to 50 50 to 100 100 to 1000 1000 to 2000 and each of those journeys is important right? so breaking it up for me has always been much much more effective than just pie in the sky looking at the long mm yeah and also you know we overestimate on what we can do and we are impatient in general as as people and as generation but also we over philosophize things right the one question a lot of founders ask me now that i'm on the investor side or on the mentor side is what's the best way to start yeah my answer to that question always is the best way to start is to start start yeah to start yeah right? make your mistakes and learn yeah. instead of philosophizing for 3 months make 3 mm. months of mistakes mm. so are you also the believer of the fact that uh, you start and then figure out later absolutely look i think if you equate any journey as a journey to climb a mountain mm. right the idea is that when you're climbing a mountain you want to reach the summit mm. right yeah but let's say you're climbing a mountain in the himalayas and you start climbing and there's a landslide somewhere or the weather is not good somewhere else right you want to get to the peak but you may go back down switch the route mm. change the path yeah you want to get to the same goal but changing the path to get to the same objective or being flex with that that's very important mm. so that's how i would think about it mm. right not what i want to do i'll figure out mm. what i want to do i know but the path to it the journey to it the way i get to it maybe that i'll figure out mm. yeah and also because and i talk a lot about perfection in this podcast right because a lot of people want to start right do it right the first time and in that process of getting it right the first time they take a lot of time to release that version one yeah i'm not a believer in that right because what's right in your mind mm. may not be right in the customer's mind yeah and so if you spend so much time philosophizing what you want yeah. you put it out to the customer and six months to the customer yeah. actually is not what i want so on my podcast my first ever episode rohan mirchandani from epigamia mm. said one really nice thing right he said the moment of truth mm. for any product is when a customer takes out rupees from their wallet this way the card product mm. and then he switched that actually he mm. said actually arjun you're a good salesman yeah so you can convince me to buy the product once mm. the customer takes out rupees from his or her own wallet mm. and buys the second time without a push from arjun uh, that's the moment of truth mm. right and we think about it in whatever we are saying yeah i think until you give mm. the customer the chance to try the product and give you feedback or have that real moment of truth you never actually know if what you've thought in your mind is right so dr vedya's i started mm. as a new age ayurvedic product that was for the urban elite millennial consumer mm. very quickly dr vedya's became a 82% outside the top 10 cities mm. bharat focused brand i didn't know that when i started mm. had i over philosophized and not started and then not worked with a millennial audience i would have been in deep trouble yeah so now that you've mentioned about dr vedya's um, you know i want to take you back to the times when your grandfather was you know working on this and uh, 150 years of legacy uh, in in the ayurveda yeah so um, what are some of the traits or the lessons that you might have picked from the grandfather when you know uh, when you were growing up see so look i think while my family's been in ayurveda for 150 years mm. a lot of people think that the legacy of our business was a business mm. the legacy of our business was not a business yeah it was an ayurvedic clinic that my yeah. grandfather and great grandfather used to run 
why was I inspired to do this? Right? I was inspired to do this because at age two, mm. I started suffering from juvenile bronchitis. Mm-hmm. I started suffering from asthma. Yeah. I grew up with pumps, nebulizers, inhalers, steroids. Mm. Right. So, while all the kids around me and you have healed yourself with that. So without. while all the kids around me were mm. playing cricket and football, and I'm a huge cricket fan. Mm. While all the kids around me were playing cricket and football, um, my grandfather moved me off the cricket field because there was too much dust on the cricket field uh-huh. in Bombay. Mm. There's mm. just dust bowls, basically, right? Mm. Not so grassy cricket grounds that you see in the UK and and in Australia and South Africa. So dust was not good for me. So my grandfather moved me off the cricket field. Um, and I was a seven-year-old who had a hand-eye coordination problem trying mm. to play golf. And you can imagine a seven-year-old trying to play golf. Mm. 99% of the balls you're trying to hit don't get hit. So that was frustrating. Right? Mm. While everyone else was playing cricket and football, I was playing golf and squash. Yeah. When I was growing up at birthday parties, they used to serve us Limka, Fanta, Coke, Sprite, Jack my throat. So I was the only kid who couldn't have it. Mm. I was the only kid who couldn't have ice cream. Mm. I remember having ice cream at age 13 for the first time. Wow. And I went to Baskin Robbins on a Sunday night. My mom ordered me one scoop of vanilla ice cream in a cup. Waited for it to melt and then I had ice cream soup. Oof. Because mm. it was too cold to jack my throat, right? And yeah. I feel sick. So that's what I grew up with. And I always felt like asthma prevented me from having a normal childhood. Mm. And 14 years of Ayurvedic treatment later, my grandfather cured me. Um. At 15 and a half, I started playing cricket again. Mm. And at that age, I was made the captain of my school cricket team. Mm. Right? So I was not the best player on the team. I went to a school where cricket was not a big thing. We had to convince a history teacher from the UK to become our coach. Okay. And I wasn't the best player, right? Mm. I was the most regular to practice. That's what mm. I was And where did I learn that from? My grandfather consistently lived the same routine for the 25 years that I knew him, right? Yeah. So, he woke up every morning at 4.30. He read for one, one and a half hours. He had a papaya, went to Willingdon Club, first tee off, played a round of golf, came home, had the same breakfast, wore the same clothes, white safari suit, white shirt, white pants, black shoes, and went to the clinic every day same time, came back at the same time, ate dinner at the same time, watched the news and went to sleep. For all the time I knew him, this was my grandfather. And so from him, I learned consistency. Mm. I also learned hard work. Yeah. Right? He passed away at age 78. Mm. And one month before he passed, we were still in the clinic working. Wow. Right? He, was, he was someone who loved his work, mm. enjoyed his work, yeah. but believed in putting in those hours right? at, at, mm. at whatever age. Mm. So I learned hard work. I learned consistency from my grandfather. Yeah. I also learned frugality. Right? So my grandfather was a very well-established doctor. He had 300 patients a day coming to his clinic, 12,000 wow. patients on a monthly basis, trying to buy a post. But every day on that white safari suit, he had a five rupee red pen in his pocket. Okay. And at one point I asked him like, you have Moblaw pens, you have cross pens, you have all of these pens. You put this red five rupee pen in your pocket. And that reminds me where I came from. Wow. And I'll never forget. Wow. Right? And so he instilled the importance of humility. Mm. So these are the skills I learned from my grandfather. Yeah. Or the personality traits I learned from my grandfather. Yeah. And even though he wasn't around, he had passed away by the time I started building Dr. Vedas and taking forward his legacy. Mm. Uh, I think this will never leave. And now that you've mentioned about humility, you know, Arjun, I met you and then I realized like, hey, you know what? Here's this guy who've done, you know, all this crazy stuff. And when I met, you know, it didn't feel like, you know, you come with any of those sort of entitlement. And then, you know, I wanted to ask this in our conversation, like, hey, where did that humility sort of comes from? Yeah, so I'll tell you, look, I think achievement or no achievement, both my dad and my granddad always remain the same people, right? And I, I feel like the most accomplished people um, never change, whatever they are. Look, I think 
success comes and goes right mm. so the person who you are never changes yeah and so it just never it never occurred to me that there is some way i need to be or some way i need to change right? at mm. all that, that this is the person i am this is the person i'll continue to be and yeah that that, mm. that do you ever have those moments where you're like hey you know what i've made it or you have to remind yourself no mm. not at all mm-hmm. i think look i'm fortunate to have gone through an amazing journey i'm fortunate mm. to exit my company before the age of 30 my job now is to inspire hundreds of people thousands of people mm. my my goal every year is to inspire at least 1000 d2c founders mm. that's my goal mm. and if i do that then i've mm. done something of uh, value what's the biggest success of dr vedas you asked mm. me this question right it's not the award it's not the recognition it's not the funding it's not the exit it's that we reach 16500 pin codes mm. and we give access to customers in muzaffarnagar imphal trichy and andaman Mm. access to high quality ayurvedic products and formulations the touch of their fingertips which they don't not have before mm. we reach 60% of india yeah that, that's what drives me yeah right? absolutely so now you mentioned about like you know what you've learned from your grandfather right so i want to now sort of think from more from the mindset perspective not only from grandfather but from the family overall so what would that conversation look like on the dinner table when you were growing up like what are the thing that you kept on hearing which you know maybe helped you shape later on in your life see look i think uh while i was growing up right my dad didn't join my grandfather in the clinic he mm. wanted to build a brand out of it he wanted to do what i did eventually yeah. but doctors and businessmen don't see eye to eye so eventually my dad started his own jewelry and watch business mm. started from zero and now runs one of india's most premium premier luxury jewelry brands called rose and i didn't spend as much time with my dad as more, some other kids did uh, my dad was always working whenever mm. he got time he spent time with us mm. as far as possibly kept sundays for us but my dad wasn't the guy who used to come to school he barely made it to parent teacher meetings mm-hmm. and it, it was fine right because mm. i knew he was out there like making Doing things yeah. things happen for yeah. us as a family and so valuing the time you have together as a family that's something i learned mm. but also respecting that yeah. like got a hustle and you got to work hard yeah. like i remember when i was like 11 or 12 years old my dad mm. once came to me and he said hey, i have too much work this summer every summer i'd go for a holiday mm. and one summer just one summer we missed all he said i have too much work this summer is it okay if we don't go for a holiday mm. right? it was one birthday he said look i just i'm so sorry i have to be in hong kong on this birthday and we understood that mm. and and it was totally fine right and and i think that that instilling of hard work mm. that instilling of putting the effort putting the hours in that came from my dad and and that's what we saw from my dad and granddad at dinner tables and you know because they were both entrepreneurs in some sense when things were bad for me i could go to my dad anytime and say this is what i'm going through and he mm. understood and that was really important as an entrepreneur you need a support system yeah. you need a family that understands when things are tough how to support mm. what to do mentally how to support an entrepreneur that's really important mm. and it really helped me to have a family that supported when the pandemic hit while nobody was willing to come to the warehouse to pack orders our orders surged mm. we had the most orders in the least staff my brother who works with my dad in the luxury business mm. there's nothing happening in luxury at that time he left whatever he was doing and he came to the warehouse and he used to pack orders with us mm. he had nothing to do with our business mm. at all and by the way because we were only 6 to 8 people in the warehouse at that time packing 5000 orders a day 10000 orders a day he would bring the courier bags the courier envelopes home with the labels mm. and so we'd stick the labels at home everybody in my house was taking labels mm. like even your grandmother as well mom, yeah. mm. my dad all the staff at home everyone mm. in the house was on the mm. floor in the hall taking labels mm. it was my first viral linkedin post my yeah. grandmom packing the you know sticking the label 
Yeah. And also you mentioned like how she used to stick the labels on the envelopes. Yeah. yeah I mean, now it's e-commerce. In my dad's time, it was post, right? Which used to create those PPP postal parcels. So it was normal for her as well. Mm -hmm. So when you started Dr. Vedya's, your success stories is all over the place, right? You know, like biggest D2C exit and, you know, met this big and stuff like that. But I'm sure you also shared a LinkedIn post about uh, how, you know, there was no orders and then you went back home on a Friday and then spent the entire weekend locking yourself inside the... Like, talk about some of those moments. So, by the way, that incident was not uh, no orders. That incident of locking myself in the room was when we we had put in 2017, Jan, mm -hmm. 10 lakhs worth of stock out in the offline market. Oh, yeah, they returned it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 9 lakhs back. They returned it. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. was yeah. feeling because we had to pivot our business model. Mm. Uh, look, Dr. Vedya's may seem like a great story today, no. but it wasn't so easy, right? Mm. So we had this offline filler that I talked about. But more more than that, Vijay, even when we started online, right? It's not like we got like 10 orders the first day on our website and then became 20, 30, 50. It was like zero orders a day to one order every three days to mm. three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Like we were like mm. increasing one order a day types until we got mm. to 50 orders a day one year later, right? Mm. Okay. Before you move further, you know, from there, that one year, 50 order, you know, like just 50 orders and you, you see like this is like one year. Like putting, the, the, no, huh? 50 orders overall, not in one year. Yeah. yeah. I Even mean, from zero to, 50 orders, zero to 50 orders. But I'll tell yeah. you what was tough in that time, mm. right? Mm. And and what, what was good in that time? Yeah. What was tough in that time was sometimes like you'd work for 14 hours and you'd go home and the mom, mom would ask like, so how was your day? What did you do? What did you achieve today? <laughs> Embarrassed to say that we went from 3,000 rupees in sale yesterday to 3,500 rupees in sale today. Mm -hmm. Like Ivy League educated topper in school <laughs> saying I increased my business by 500 rupees today. It was embarrassing. Right? So that was really tough. Mm. And look, I come from a family business. right? My dad built, yeah. has built a very successful business. People would say, what are you doing? Mm. Like, what are you spending your time on? Yeah. Did you feel that pressure? I didn't feel the pressure. I didn't really care for the pressure. But mm. I, a lot of people came, would like judge me like, what's going on with this guy? Like he's such yeah. a big family business and he's doing this thing on the side that doesn't seem like he'll ever achieve success, right? So I think that was really tough. What was amazing about the first year was the most fun year of Dr. Vedas because we learned D2C ourselves, right? Mm. There was no playbook. There was no history. D2C yeah. was not a term in India. It was not even a term, yeah. And so... This was which year? 2017 November to 2018 November, okay. right? And mm. so we learned how to build a Shopify website, Facebook and Google advertising. We learned customer engagement. We learned website conversion friendliness. We learned SEO. We picked up every customer call. Mm. And that's how we understood our customers. We said, hey, actually, it's not an urban elite customer. The tier 2, tier 3 customer, 82% mm. of our orders come from outside the top 10 cities. So the best part about that first year was understanding the business to the core. Mm. Once we started scaling, right, no agency could ever take us for a ride because, because I've operated Facebook ads in the yeah. market, right? Mm. Yeah. I've, I mean, Trisha has coded a website. Yeah. No accountant could take her for a ride because she used to operate tally herself before the accountants yeah. came, right? So I think that was really good. It said the That's basics. also the beauty of being an entrepreneur. Because it said you the doing, basics and yeah. fundamentals. Right? Yeah. It yeah. was really nice. Great. So you, since you've mentioned Teresa, I want to talk about then girlfriend when she she sort of came to join the business. She joined company. the business after we got engaged. Yes. So we talked mm. about it when we were still dating. Then yeah. we got engaged. And I want to say one or two months after we got engaged, she joined the business. So what are the things that people should look for when they're finding for, you know, looking for co-founder? Because you shared how Trisha coming to the business, like 
she took load of your yeah look i would mm. say one very important know the person right mm. there's nothing like speed dating a co-founder a lot of yeah. people say but i found a co-founder where should i look like yeah you're going to spend five if not seven if not 10 years and minimum with this person you better mm. know yeah. what you're getting into right mm. at least somewhat some way mm. that's the first one have a deep relationship mm. incentivization alignment right mm. are you both incentivize the same goal because otherwise it gets really awkward when one person's working harder the others not one person's really ambitious the others like okay mm. at the current scale growing slowly so mm. incentivization alignment is mm. and the third but the most important thing actually is complementary skill set mm. you bring the same thing to the table what's the point yeah right? yeah i started doctor with this alone and i can tell you i'm not good at the back i'm not good at operations i'm not good at logistics i'm not good at the day to day i'm not good at day to day accounts i'm not good at mm. i'm a big picture guy right? mm. i'm a strategy branding business development conversations going out there putting it out there and i managed the factory yeah, that's what yeah. i did doctor with rest of the business i was really bad at mm. really bad at and so eventually what happened is until trisha joined i realized there were there was supply chain there mm-hmm. was procurement there was regulatory at the mm. factory mm. then there was sales distribution marketing strategy and then there was back end legal hr it admin finance i was 500 and everything was so many departments i was 25 years old how do i manage everything right and so when i got trisha on board i became 9 on 10 at seven things that i was mm. good at and she became the rest yeah um, and she was really good at what she did as well mm. so bringing complementary skill sets together and allocating responsibilities mm. led to the eventual exponential growth as well as compounding mm. of the opportunity of mm. okay i want to ask on the same one trisha thing a little different question okay? sure because she was you know you guys were dating and then she got engaged and then she got involved with the business as well so what is it like for the people like who are in a relationship married couples or stuff like that and do have example of mama earth right gazelle and varun sort of building this business together like what are the perks or the cons of because do you really get time to shut off the business like because you are you both of you are in the business right and yeah look i think we were mm, young mm, when we started mm. I have heard that founders who have some experience and maturity are able to shut off. We mm. were not able to shut off. Mm. Maybe if we do it again, we'll be able to shut off. <laughs> But for us, there was no work-life balance. It was a work-life merger. There were times when Trisha said, "I feel like your colleague, not like your wife or your partner." But like we really believed in what we were doing, and so yeah. it was okay, right? We were mm. the last one to show up at every wedding, every party. People would say, "Why are you always late? What are you doing? We're not showing up on time." But we knew what we were building, right? Mm. And And, and we knew the potential, and so we mm. went ahead and did it, and it mm. worked out. Fortunately for us, mm. had it not, I don't know what things would have been like. But luckily for us, yeah. things worked out. So, what is the worst rejection that you have faced? Not necessarily just in Doctor Vidya's, like in your life, and uh, what lesson did you take from that? Oh, I'll talk about two. Okay, okay. sure. More the merrier. <laughs> first was in the first three months of Doctor Vidya's. It was just me working in a cabin at my dad's office. That's it. Mm. That's absolutely it. There was nothing else, right? So at that time, I remember like I had this like word doc talking about what Doctor Vedas is. Mm. Not even a logo branding, just a word doc, right? Mm. And not even PowerPoint. <laughs> PowerPoint, yeah, but not in a shareable format. So I would share this word doc on email with people of what I was building. Mm. No, I need to hire people, right? That was what I needed to do, and so I. Uh, got connected to one hr agency and so i spoke to the person i pitched my business and shared it and stuff like that and the person said uh, so what's your website i was like it's under development we're still doing it 
and the person said i don't engage with people who don't have websites thank you and cut the call oh hmm. that is two months in like just huge rejection for someone wow right? hmm. what did i learn from that if someone comes to me in a similar place i'll never talk like that to them hmm. right? yeah it was one two so this is uh, 2017 or 18 right i think 2017 new years so just before new years i would we had a hangover protocol live it up right so I okay in a broadcast out to people saying hey like buy one get one free mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just reach out by yeah this went to 500 family friends and vendors people who know me personally have me on whatsapp just like message from me right yeah, one yeah. week before new year so contextual mm. not randomly saying i would send like maximum one message a month from okay. my phone maximum this one founder who had raised already 5 million dollars was in my network 5 7 million dollars i don't know how much money he had raised it is some money basically from credible vc i just sent a message like promoting my product and he said hey bro can you please move remove me off this list i don't appreciate this kind of huge mm. he's a founder he's also building i'm also building i'm hustling mm. um, it hurt a lot i removed him off the list really hurt mm. and then uh, every time a founder messages me or anyone messages me sharing their business i will make it a point mm. later Mm. But I will say congratulations, awesome, good job. Yeah. What you, yeah. I mean, what do you lose in that? Nothing, absolutely. Nothing at all. Yeah. That really hurt. Stung. Mm. Yeah, I can relate a lot with this because early on when I was doing this podcast, I would reach out to a lot of people, you know. And one story that stuck with me is there's this doctor based in Canada, and I wrote him an email saying that you know I would love to invite you on a podcast, and he responded back saying, you know what, because you had the audacity to reach out to me and write this email. I would say yes and come on a podcast, and that amazing that made me feel like oh my god! No, I'm are, a big fan of cold emails, cold reach outs. That message is so special to me. Even today, you know, that sort of gives me that faith and belief in that. Hey, you know what? It's you know I'm doing right by just being out there and you know showing up and reaching out to people. Yeah, I agree with you 100. Can tell you another story yeah. in relation to what you're talking about, right? So pandemic hit, hmm. and Ayurvedic products were like. obviously one of the most important essentials at that time and zomato had started stores mm. you remember right other mm. than just restaurants they started stores yeah that products could move in in cities right so i reached out to someone zomato and said i want to make, create a store of my ayurvedic products because people want it and they're finding it difficult to get at least in the south bombay 8 km radius from my warehouse people can get it mm. right and that person said okay i'll get back to you and the next day said hey i don't think ayurveda is relevant for zomato so we're not going to do it oh mm. <clears throat> no i could have said yes okay that's fine but i genuinely felt like it was relevant right mm-hmm. so i just found dipinder goel's email mm-hmm. and i wrote him an email saying hi dipinder i'm a big fan of what you do here's what i do mm-hmm. here's our legacy history here's what we do and here's what i want to do with zomato yeah in 15 minutes he responded saying arjun amazing business great idea congratulations here's three people i'm connecting you to um have a chat with them let's get it listed mm, yeah there you go one day later the same person who said no to me <laughs> called me and said we'd love to list your product mm, yeah it was nothing yeah absolutely and i think like i meet a lot of people right and the biggest fear that they have because it is people how to create the podcast and stuff like that and a lot of people tell me that hey you know what the biggest fear that they have is the reaching out and they're like hey you know what i want to have all these guests and like have you reached out to them yet no i know that the person is going to say no you have self rejected yourself I agree. Even before the person, there's nothing in reaching out. Mm. Worst case, the person won't reply. What's the big deal? Yeah, ignore it. So, what are three lessons from business that you have learned, which you implement or are gonna implement in your life? Look, I think three lessons from my doctor Vedya's journey. First, 
startups look really glamorous from the outside mm-hmm. unicorns funding rounds exits all of these things but it's a grind mm-hmm. roller coaster mm-hmm. and the amount of failure that you will face nobody's ready for or i wasn't ready for and so the hallmark of a good entrepreneur for me actually is someone who'll fight failure with grit and resilience and come out of it mm-hmm. i didn't know how much you'd face second you can't do it alone mm-hmm. as young founders you think you can do everything on your own yeah, right? yeah. work 16 hours a day ho jayega mm-hmm. but 2 into 16 is 32 and by the way you can't work efficiently for 16 hours so 2 into 14 is 28 or 2 into 12 is 24 but 8 into 10 is 80 and so you can compound the growth exponentially only with an empowered team mm. and the third one i'll say it's a little bit more controversial you can't be slightly pregnant with a startup a lot of people say i'm doing my job and then i have the startup and when it becomes big i'll leave my job no 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 that's not happening right because your startup will never become big until you leave your job and give it full time mm. you either would be in or you're out when it comes to a startup you want to build something of scale yeah. my podcast is my hobby yeah if so one week i miss it the world is not coming crashing mm. but one week i don't show up at my company yes. the world is crashing down right yeah and so it's okay to be not in mm. and it's not for everyone yeah but if you're in you have to be 100 mm. those are my three lessons from my journey yeah. building up yeah no those are like really really important lessons right because one of the things that i say like you know if you, if you want to succeed in anything anything that you do in your life it's consistency right you mentioned about your grandfather like showing up every single day like two months before him passing away right and uh, right now do you think like you know that kind of consistency for that period of time like all his life he did the same which earlier people used to do that right the same kind of job or same business or whatever like for donkey's years but do you think like we are, as a generation of, of obviously we are getting like more and more impatient yeah i think it's not it's not there so much anymore and it needs to be there mm. because startups need a lot of effort and hard work and i think for me my moat is consistency discipline mm. right? i may not be the smartest worker but i'm definitely the hardest worker mm-hmm. and i think we need it to be there more yeah it doesn't happen automatically mm. you're reading about the unicorn run but do you know about the 5 years 7 years of thought process blood sweat and tears <laughs> that went into it like I, i said on linkedin once ideas are great but unicorns are made from blood sweat and high quality execution yeah Now that you're an investor, do you invest from your head or heart? Ah, uh, I think it's a mix when you do it at the early stage, actually, because when there's no data, you base a lot on people, mm. and so I would say fifty percent of my investment decisions made on the founder, twenty mm. percent on the market size, thirty percent on the way the business is doing, business economics, growth, velocity, revenue, bottom line, EBITDA, team. Fifty percent goes on the founder or founding team. Mm. What do you look in a founder? The right to win mm. in that specific space. Mm. as well as the grit and resilience to be able to fight in the toughest time. Mm. And there's not only head that goes into that. Understanding people needs a little bit of heart. Yeah. Yeah. And what are some of the like biggest bets that you have taken? Like from the just by looking at the founder and like you know taking the bet in the founder. So just announced to... an investment in a company called Aka Care today. Mm-hmm. Um it's a consumer health full stack platform. Yeah. Building like google pay and phone pay built on upi the government okay. is creating a digital health infrastructure digital health stack so they're building on that they're the founders of goai bibo vikalp and deepak the moment they like so i i usually do one hour chats with founders when i've never spoken before mm. in 30 minutes i said okay guys i get it mm. i just get what you're building what are the questions that you ask or maybe what are the traits that you look for no so i think traits i look for i said right mm. look for yeah, someone yeah. who's gritty enough to fight through the tough times yeah not non realistic or unrealistic mm. um and sees it as it is uh, but on every call 
the first thing i do is i let the founder tell their story mm. and then i ask my question mm. going in with preconceived notions makes no sense mm. yeah if you came in with preconceived notions with me what would you have seen an ivy league educated guy who's comes from a family business background mm. who's grown up in some privilege yeah entering a market that has a lot of competition in ayurveda yeah would you have invested in me if you went in preconceived notions the answer is no mm. so this guy doesn't have the ambition yeah no that's that's a really good way to look at it you know because oftentimes like a lot of people come with the preconceptions aisa hoga generally i've been proved wrong too many times to go in with any preconceived notions yeah yeah mentors a uh, necessity absolute mm. necessity and i didn't have enough while i was building my dad was one but i didn't have enough and i i realize now what i would have how much time i would have saved had i had the right mentors and so how am i solving for it now by saying okay let me be the mentor mm. if i can help people with my experience that would yeah. be great yeah so when you're faced with situation in your life who do you find going to most of the times looking for answers not necessarily in business but generally in life yeah i go to my wife i go mm. to my dad those are the two people i usually go to mm. for for existential questions mm. <laughs> <laughs> um when you faced with a difficult situation in life is there any question particular question that you find asking yourself what's the worst that can happen mm okay easier said than done but what's the worst that can happen mm mm-hmm. and what do you do after you have that answer you still go ahead and do it like okay this is the worst that can happen i'm still going to go ahead and do it yeah i think uh, it's situation to situation <laughs> but what's the worst that can happen gives you a lot of comfort mm that it's not death yeah. or the world crashing down it's something a little bit less than that <laughs> super so i have last few questions that i ask all the guests what inspires you to do everything that you do i'm not one of those people who has one thing that inspires me i just think that the world we live in today mm. the amount of potential there is in our country that just keeps me going every day i meet so many amazing founders building so many amazing things mm. has to inspire you right yeah. like there's so much going on yeah mm. but when i was building dr vaidya's taking forward my grandfather's legacy that's what inspired me and motivated mm. me to go for three things if you were to restart this journey all over again that you would have done differently uh, built a better team or built an empowered team earlier on mm. focused on brand earlier than i did uh, and had some more mentors who i incentivized mm. you can't get time from busy people every week or two times a month if they don't have any skin in the game mm. and i didn't realize that mm. what is that one number one wrong belief that you've held for the longest period about yourself i don't know actually i i think i'm i'm pretty honest and and uh, true to myself in terms of what i am mm-hmm. maybe uh, i think i i thought i panic more than i do in tough situations mm-hmm. um, and i've been through some in dr vedas why why tied it through fine mm-hmm. maybe overestimating the amount of stress i take in tough situations Mm. So here's the last question, okay? Imagine that you are standing on a stadium, and this is the largest stadium that has ever been built in the history of the world, and there are millions of people, eagerly, passionately, waiting to listen to you. And you have the catch is you only have one minute to share the most important lesson that you have learned in your life. What would be your message? Stay hungry, stay foolish, and keep building. That's it. That's it. Because look, I think uh, part of what we do as founders, right? is like i was telling someone the other day i watched we crashed mm. and 
seemed like Adam Newman was crazy, but mm. we're all crazy, right? Uh, <laughs> we all have these crazy visions. We all believe in it before anyone else believes in it. There's a fine line mm. between absolute craziness and ambition leading to success. Mm. Uh, but if you're not hungry and you're not foolish, you can never build something crazy. Mm. Think about Flipkart. Now we take e-commerce consumption as a given. Mm. But I can tell you in 2013 when I was working my first job in private equity, mm-hmm. there were questions being asked in the office like, will Indians buy stuff online? Mm-hmm. Don't we need touch and feel? Mm-hmm. Is e-commerce really going to be a thing in India? So that time was an audacious vision, right? Yeah. Look where it ended up. Big billion days now part of folklore. Yeah. Super. This has been great conversation, Arjun. Thank you Thank so much you. for being Thank on the you, show. Thank you, Vijay. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Inspiring Talk. I hope you found a lot of value in this episode. If you are listening to this episode on Spotify, don't forget to give five star ratings for this podcast, and also you can hit the bell icon so that you get notified whenever we release a new episode. We have the Inspiring Talk community on Telegram. This is where you get to interact with me and other listeners of this podcast. Also, I share a ton of content. like the book that i'm reading the content that i'm consuming podcasts that i'm listening and so on and also you can share your feedback on making the show better in the community i'll put the link in the description of this episode i'll see you there thank you so much for listening i'll see you in the next now go out there and do something inspiring <laughs>